Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Board Gaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode of Kentucky Fried War Gaming, um, I don't know, we kind of stumbled across a topic. Uh, as we do every time we go to record an episode, we look at our list of topics and we kind of look, ask each other, you know, do you just have one that's kind of on your mind currently? And we've kicked it around for a day or two, and we stumbled on one that I think might be worth talking about, uh, just given some of our own recent experiences and uh, experiences we've had in the past. And that is, well, I think for many of us, we kind of have hobby blinders on. Do you understand what hobby blinders are, John? Uh, those are the things you put on, like, horses and stuff so they don't run into traffic, right? Yes, uh, while painting models, apparently. Um, yeah, horses, well known for their ability to paint. Ah, uh, uh, yes, because of their fingy control. Yes. Yeah, they got big-ass hooves for big-ass brushes. I don't... How would a horse hold a brush? Do you think it'd be, like, two hooves together? Honestly, real talk, probably with the teeth. Like, But I like the idea of, like, the hoof better. Just, like, two hoof swipes with a paintbrush. And now I like, I'm thinking too much. But, (laughs) yes, John, blinders like a horse. Um... And for those of you out there who don't really know much, uh, essentially the blinders are meant to narrow a horse's field of vision so that they don't get distracted or spooked by, you know, things that they don't need to look at that aren't directly right in front of them. And, you know, depending on use, this can be more or less severe, but the purpose is the same. And I think for us as hobbyists, uh, we kind of end up with our own blinders that I don't know if we really see... Until after we've pulled them off. And it's one of those things that happens to me from time to time. And it just happened again recently. So I thought we might take a little bit of time here to talk about it. And maybe convince you to take off your own. But first, hobby time and games played. Alright John, what you been up to? I built stuff. Ooh, what you I did a, I did a hobby. You did a hobby by God. Ooh. Ooh. All right. I What'd you do? A hobby. I built Seraphon. Now, I know you lovely listeners there are probably going, but John, you normally don't play Seraphon. You'd be right. But our editor, Seth, went, hey, I'm not using these Seraphon. Do you want them? And I went, you know what? I do fucking love dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, it, if it helps, John, they are dinosaurs with lasers from space. Yes. As Tim Curry says, space. But yeah, we're, uh, we're building dinosaurs now, y'all. There's three start collecting boxes to build, and uh, two of them are built. Are they all the baseline start collecting, or is one of them like the skink start collecting? One's a Skinks, and then two of them's a Baseline. It's so wild that they have two Star Collecting boxes. And they're so drastically different from one another. But I love dinosaurs, so that'll be great. Uh-huh. Seraphon are in a weird place where, like, half of their range is so old, it looks like it was 
3D printed in 16 bits. Uh, and yet the other half is so good they crammed it into not one, but two star collecting boxes. What a yes. what an odd thing to parse through. And the fun part is, is that like the big dinos hold up very well. Some of the characters hold up very well. Mm-hmm. Most of the battle line, terrible. Skinks look pretty good because they're skinks. Like they, they're kind of supposed to look a little doobie. Yeah. But the Saurus, the Saurus uh. are a little rough. I like this look of the Saurus Knights mostly for nostalgia. But I will say that like baseline Saurus Warriors, garbage. GW, come on. Yeah. Like you fucked up dinosaurs. I cannot, cannot forgive that. You read the book and they describe them as like these hulking lizard people with muscle that masquerade it's you know stone masquerading as muscle with clubs made out of starlight that ignite into flames with their rage and how they can almost eat men whole when they start to chomp and then you look at their models and man herp derp like their faces if you look have no if you look no sense behind them eyes john it's elevator music in there Yes, if you look at, well, I mean, sometimes they ought to, but if you look at the Croxigars and you look at the Source Warriors as their models, and then you go look at the actual art for them in the Battle Tome, you will see such a stark difference. Oh, it's not even and close. Then you, can, <laughs> you can go onto, like, STL file sites and find better looking models that look like the art from the Battle Tome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, or just like slightly off that look closer to that than the current range. And not by just a little bit. Like, it's not like Skaven, right? Where like some of the Skaven molds are just really old, so they're pewter, so they're just, but you can still tell they're kind of Skaven. They're just a little goofier looking. Maybe not quite as good. Mm hmm. These look legitimately almost nothing like what they're supposed to be representing. It's very weird. The Croxicore in particular are a crime. A terrible, terrible crime. Yes. I love the Gator, Gator Lads. They're supposed to be like ogre-sized crocolids with giant smashing maces that rampage across the battlefield, death-rolling through whole enemy formations. This does not look like that. No. No, not at all. This is like um, an alpha prototype of the first-ever Jim Henson Muppet. Like, it is disconcerting how unthreatening it is yes but i love the i love the faction i love the lore i love dinosaurs i love the aesthetic and something else is i have i've been painting in the same palette for so long right like almost everything's a zorn palette everything's ton of brown tons of browns tons of darker colors tons of like all of that yeah you got a ton of that and like i i dabbed in a little bit of Stormcast, where i painted a little bit of gold but really it's a similar concepts seraphon are just bright lots of bright colors and i think i'm gonna try to paint in some bright colors for once and just have lizards i like lizards and to be honest like waiting for world leaders i already have a black legion force if i want to play them waiting on a guard book to see what i do with that otherwise like i'm not really into 40k right now because i'm waiting for stuff mm-hmm uh, there's, and the rules are in a weird place. They are. Like, yeah. I feel like AOS's rules are better right now than 40K's rules for the sake of playing like in a like pumped-up casual environment. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I just... 
I, it, it's the thing that's making the brain go burr. So I'm just going to follow that. Uh, otherwise, I am patiently waiting with bated breath for my Star Wars Legion stuff to come in, which we'll, we'll definitely talk about in this episode later. But mm-hmm. that Star Wars Legion looking real juicy. Yeah, yeah, I put in your order, but, you know, logistics are what they are. It is no longer a one-week turnaround for anything. Um, but it's been ordered and is on the way. Uh, and once it gets here, I'm going to help John build it all, and then uh, we're going to have a gaming day of Star Wars Legion, where we just play the crap out of Legion all day and learn it sort of hardcore. And once we do, you bet your bottom dollar, there'll be a follow-up episode. Um you know, about how John felt about it as a person who's totally blind playing it, and me as a mostly blind person teaching it. Um, I think that'll be a really nice follow-up, and also a fun hobby palette cleanser for you, uh, getting to paint some scum and villainy, but from another IP. Yeah, and, you know, see see how it is. Like, play it. See if it's a game that I want to play consistently. I will say the release schedule seems infinitely slower than GW, so it's not like I have to like keep up with the treadmill. Yeah, I actually think that's a pro for the game. Like, I know some people that's a con, but I like that. I like that I might only get one model thing a year. That's pretty cool. But especially for a secondary game for me. Hallelujah. But it sounds like you had what some about you? good hobby time. What have you been doing hobby-wise? Oh! Uh, I have been having a bit of a palate cleanser, John. Um, oh, have you been drinking uh, white monster energy? No, I drink the vanilla, not like actual colored vanilla. I mean like the original monster energy drink. Oh, so you listen to Five Figure Death Punch. Got it. I do, unironically. Uh, I stumbled across, like, okay, John, damn you. Uh, when we went to that uh, playtest thing... You introduced me to the concept that Spotify has playlists for different times of type of music. Yeah. Uh, and I stumbled across a like 2000, like mid 2000s and late 2000s rock playlist. And my God, John. Uh, yes. Butt rock. It's great. I'm telling you, you got to just listen to a bunch of butt rock and then you got to like build a character for LARP or D&D and just embody it. Uh, like you will have the greatest time. You're gonna, you're basically, basically gonna play Brock Samson from like Venture Brothers, but it's you, so you're gonna know like all the biology stuff. You're gonna have a great time. Like play the dumbest, dumbest. Man. I could play a geologist and be Rock Samson. No, Rock Sandstone. Yes. <gasps> rock Sandstone. We okay. We have that's this it. Now. That that's it right there. Done. Game over. We've done the thing. You can join me in the land of playing man who just is here to fight big thing. <laughs> it it harvests rocks. Yeah, like it's just what there's maybe two brain cells between us. Everyone else is trying to figure out the grand adventure. We're like, we're gonna go bonk it. <laughs> <laughs> what if I hit it with a stick? Yeah, uh, sounds like a blast. Nickelback playing softly in the background. Yeah, I fell down a rabbit hole of that music, and I'm shocked by how many lyrics were locked deep inside my head that I had no idea were stored in there. Uh, also, Nickelback? <sighs> I'd heard them in years. Some of their stuff's shockingly good, John. It's like a nostalgia thing. Like, I wouldn't call it good. I'd call it, like, listening to Creed when you're, you know... I don't... Home Alone. I don't know. I dare say, and I know I'm going to be roasted on the internet, but I dare say that Nickelback 
has some of the best hooks written in rock. And that a lot of people who say, uh, Nickelback bad, were just upset that their crap bands couldn't write hooks. A quarter is good. I'm just picturing you driving up to your own house on a motorcycle listening to Animals by Nickelback <laughs> and beckoning your wife. Just, yes. Uh, hey, baby, you want to come listen to Butt Rock with me and get down to the quarry? <laughs> Animals was not one of the songs that held up well, but <laughs> there are a few. So, yeah, curse you, John. Curse you. Um, but I have been doing some palate cleansing. God, we got off on a tangent there. Um, Look at this graph. (laughs) (laughs) And I have been painting Star Wars Legion. Um, For y'all out there, I've talked about it in the past few episodes. I have been in a hobby slump that I am trying to gently get my way out of. And I've been in a kind of kick enjoying some Star Wars lately. So I figured might as well try to paint some minis that are Star Wars. So I've been playing some Legion with my wife and we've had a really good time. So I just went ahead and threw the clones on the table. And, uh... By God, it has gone great. Uh, two full troops of uh, Phase 1 clone troopers are painted up, including their individualized squad markings, which was fun to do after I sort of debated about it forever. Uh, painted up their weapons and everything. Uh, the only thing that they need is a wash. And then I got some ARC troopers, and I built them, primed them, zenithaled them, and now have to finish painting them before they need to get a wash as well. Um, yeah, that's been painting up surprisingly quickly because the squad sizes are really small in Legion, which makes it so fast to paint them. It's delightful. Um, also, John, damn it, John. Yes, what have I done? It's not you, it's Corwin. The thing that you were in cahoots with, for folks out there, John has been trying to pressure me into nights for... Uh, over a year now. Yeah. Yeah, over a year. I was just like, God, God, time. Yeah. Uh. Time. It's a nebulous concept that we're all struggling with, like post-Panini. Time. But also, inside of this Panera Bread, you are finally playing Imperial Knights. It's going to happen. It's happening. I've put it in my order. Again, logistics. I'm waiting on it to get here. Um, But our friend Corwin, the wonderful... Wonderful, terrible bastard he is, whom I love so, so much and despise, um, did a wonderful, kind gesture uh, where he has been sort of enjoying the idea of these Onion Knights that I've been talking about for a while on this agri world. And he's been doing a secret project for like a month now or a little more, and he didn't tell me what it was. And uh, last week he sent me, well, he sent our Discord, like a message. That he had written a thing, and he wrote up a little short story that was a couple pages long about an agri-world being assaulted by the shadowy forces of chaos, led by four uh, knights that were sort of corrupted by the foul winds of chaos. And uh, after the, at the end of the story, he had pictures of these four warhounds that he had painted up and been painting up as a force to challenge my knights in combat for this planet. And threw down the gauntlet, he bit his thumb, sir, and directly at me, sir. And essentially said, I have taken a chaotic shit in your toilet. What are you going to do about it? Uh, And the answer is, I'm rallying knights. Because I can't leave a challenge unanswered. So, uh, 
Yeah, after that kind gesture, um, God damn it. Fine, send me two nights. I'm buying two nights, and uh, I'm excited to make onion nights. I'm currently in the process of storyboarding a story for them. I think I'm 10 pages of uh, notes into that. Um, and I'm also pondering color schemes and paint schemes and how I'm going to have to do it to accommodate the story of the model. And I think the answer is I'm going to have to paint it beautifully, like a actual Questor Impilialis official knight. And then I'm going to have to hoopty the hell out of it, as my great Kentucky ancestors would do. And just, you know, slap 24-inch tires onto this Honda Civic for no discernible reason. Uh, and, you know, make it the state color primer and drive it to Speedway to show off it. 12 at night. Um, yes. Accurate. Yeah. Don't forget the Marlboro Reds. Always. It's got a blaring butt rock out of a speaker that is far too big for, and an amp that's far too big for the car. Um, yeah. So I have nights coming. That's going to be a whole, whole, whole project. Whew. It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm really excited to just spend a lot of time on one model as opposed to like painting a full army. Yeah. You'll be spending many nights on it (laughs) (laughs) that was terrible i know so yeah uh there will probably be a night follow-up episode eventually i don't know when that will be uh but there will be a night follow-up episode where i talk about how it's what it's like to play imperial knights and i'm hoping i come back saying that yeehaw titanfall is a blast but you know yeah and like maybe you can share with the class um this wonderful little narrative that you've built maybe we can have a, another episode where we share about how Corwin's taking a shit in your toilet. How dare he? Um, yeah, I thought I'd write a little short story, but my storyboard is going a little beyond that. It might be a bit too much, but we'll see. Never too much. You'll be all right. Maybe too much, John. Maybe, in fact, too much. No, it's all right. Listen, Joseph, you wrote how many pages for a single game short story? You'll be all right. 20-something? Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, 20-something. Too much, John. Nope. But I guess... It's called being creative. Use that juice while you got it. Sometimes you got a lot of extra spoons for stuff, and you just got to eat that soup of creativity. This metaphor is really borderline falling apart, but it's holding together just by the skin of its teeth. That's kind of me. There's another metaphor. Yep. Seth, play the music. John, blinders. I think we have hobby blinders on. But when I say that, I think it's only reasonable for us to first talk about what the hell I mean by that, right? Because uh, I think there are probably people out there who are listening up to this point just because they're kind souls who are at their paint desk and listening to us while they paint a model. Uh, by the way, for y'all out there doing that, thin your paints. You're doing good. Or don't. I'm not your dad. Stretch a little. Give yourself a tiny second to let your eyes adjust. Now back to it. Um, drink some water, not the paint water. Yeah, do not drink the paint water. It is not your coffee cup. I have done that. Um, but for people out there, they're probably just a little confused about what the hell I mean by blinders. And I'm going to do my best to cram this nebulous idea into some words that make sense. But John, you're going to have to help me if I go astray. Because uh, we have been down a nickelback rabbit hole, and it's 
not even 20, like one minutes into this episode. It's all right. We'll figure it out. So, or they stop listening. We'll find out. <laughs> when I say blinders, uh, what I mean is that, you know, all of us who are in war gaming, well, I won't say off, but for many of us who are in war gaming, uh, when we get into this hobby, we all jump in because for one reason or another, we like little plastic toys. I don't know what works for everybody, but for me, it's a thing I wanted to do as a kid and that I liked playing G.I. Joe's and it's something I can do as an adult that is both productive, uh, fulfilling, and fun. And I, when I dove in, the only thing that I really saw was Games Workshop. Because let's be honest, they're the biggest dog in this park. And by a long margin. If everybody else is, like, if every other dog in the park is a lab, Games Workshop is like Clifford the Big Red Dog. I mean, just colossal. And it's hard to kind of see past that. Yeah, and it, like, it hasn't, it's kind of waxed and waned in that. Like, there's been periods of time when GW is, like, absolutely dominant. Mm -hmm. And there's periods where it's less dominant. And there's other games kind of vying for the attention. Um, I think now we're in a time where there's other games starting to buy for the attention again, like we were like five years ago, six years ago, mm -hmm. maybe seven. I don't know. Time's weird. Time. But when, but when you got into it, that was like in the beginning of eighth edition. AOS was just like starting to be like come out into its own thing. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were right when GW went from going, we're a sinking ship to, hey, there's a chance. Yeah. I mean, they were the thousand pound gorilla stomping around. Um, and that was fine because I was, you know, looking to get into a game and GW had a bunch of people who played it and a bunch of models. And as I started to get into the lore, they also had a bunch of novels you could read. And then just about the time as I was starting to pick a faction, they would always have releases rolling around. So I'd start seeing those every day of the week. Um, and then as I was excited to see the new releases, I'd see all the rules updates and get into the Facebook groups to see the discussions about the rules changes for the factions I liked. Um, and then they'd start releasing supplement books on top of the actual uh, sort of like balance changes and the supplement books would grab my eye because I felt like I had to have them. And of course, on top of that, you had the actual tournament stats, which would come out online. Even though I didn't go to tournaments, my brain would be like, oh, you should probably see what those games are. So you know what not to build in your list or what to avoid in other lists and what armies are good right now or too good right now. So you don't try to have a bad time at the bud. And before I knew it, I was sort of subsumed in this bubble. Of games inundated work. with the GW. I was, yeah, I was just surrounded in GW, and it, I, sort of slowly, and I would, I don't know if I'd say insidiously, but slowly but surely, these blinders were slipped on me, where I did not really see the greater hobby of miniature wargaming. Uh, I really just saw GW, and GW games, and. Eventually, as I tried to keep up with those releases, I started feeling like the sense of uh, sort of like fear of missing out on stuff and trying to stay on top of this treadmill of books releasing, many of which I just do not want, um, and the tournaments that are happening. And it gets exhausting sometimes. It just does. And I think that another thing that really exemplifies it 
in the current events is right. Like all these logistics problems that everyone everywhere are having makes a concept of like an ever flowing and moving treadmill where there's something new every two weeks, not really viable. And it, it, it kind of pulls the curtain a little bit more away to see that, Oh, that maybe that isn't good. Maybe that's not something that's great all the time. Like, Weird little factoid. Did you know that the Gene Stealer Cult Combat Patrol was just now for sale, like, last week? I had no idea. Isn't that wild? That was announced so long ago that I, I just assumed it was already in stores. Yeah, uh, but, like, three years ago, you would have seen an announcement for a new model. it get released the week after, like, done. Right? Mm-hmm. Not that way anymore. And it's not just GW being like, ho-ho, FOMO. It's like logistics problems. It is hard to get stuff from one part of the world to another part of the world. And especially with such a large company, they're trying to get it all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit weird. It's a bit strange. It is. But the thing I think that keeps them steady, though, is their online stuff. You know, their Warhammer yes. community articles, which, you know, it's the internet. Come straight to all of our peepers. <laughs> And, um, I don't know, I think before, especially for new players, but even for non-new players, many of us just end up in the situation where we don't look at anything else. And this has happened to me once before, but it really hit me lately, um, that, you know, I was feeling a slump, so I took a little break. I didn't push myself to play GW games or anything, I didn't push myself to hobby. As we talked about in the slump episode, that can sometimes end up real bad. So I just didn't force it. I didn't feel like doing it, so I didn't do it. And as I didn't do it, I also found that I I didn't really feel the need to keep up with the daily articles either. Because um, much of them I just didn't really apply to me. And the ones that did, I read briefly and moved on. And they didn't stay in my thoughts too long. And like, just a little side tangent. The quality has kind of gone down. It seems like they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel sometimes. Lately, at least. Yeah, I think some of that's true. Uh, they're probably just trying to fill time because of logistics stuff. That would be my guess. That they probably wanted much of this to release earlier, but it can't. So, it shan't. Um, and I kind of realized the peak of that when the whole Horus Hair thing thing dropped. And I feel like it was set up to be this huge hype train that I was supposed to hop on. And I just decided I wouldn't. That... You know, I'm glad for everyone who got on the train, but I don't really need to buy a ticket to this. I wish you all the best. I'll see you later. And instead, it was sort of like my head popped out of the bubble, and I could look left and right, and, uh, oh my god, there's so much cool stuff in this hobby that I just could not see easily. It was like it was obscured. And, like, tangentially, I knew other games existed, of course. Obviously, I've even bought some models for other games, but it's hard to really quantify just how good they are until you have a moment of clarity and you can sort of see what's there and break your FOMO stride, which is really cool. And for me, obviously, I got into Legion, played it quite a bit, had a really good time. Also, looking deeply at Malifaux and Infinity. Um, and it's interesting how I feel about things now, having a wider perspective. 
So, really, with this episode, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is, like, what blinders are, but also why you should maybe consider making an effort to take yours off if you have them on. You know, especially if you're newer and you haven't looked left or right, it might be worth trying to just take a little look around. And especially if you're newer in the hobby, you might be going to your game store like once every two weeks, once a week to like pick up stuff. Maybe it's paints, maybe it's brushes. Maybe there's like three or four paint ranges there. So, you know, you don't just have to get GW paints. Maybe they don't stock Star Wars Legion or Infinity or Malifaux or these other games because it's mostly a magic store where they sell Magic the Gathering, D&D, and like board games. And they might have like a small section of Games Workshop stuff, but you like put in some orders to get some stuff, which is a fairly common occurrence at game stores. Mm -hmm. So you might not even know these games exist. You might not ever get exposed to them. Because even when looking for Star Wars Legion stuff online, you're going to end up finding 40k YouTube videos. Yeah, I mean, it permeates the hobby everywhere. It's a thing. Yes. But there are other games out there that you might get some enjoyment out of. Um, both, you know, one, through models that are different. Two, through mechanics that are different or more streamlined or with a different objective in mind. Uh... Three, also, it might give you a chance to get a little bit of perspective, and maybe if you're feeling fear of, like, trying to keep up on the treadmill and missing out like I was, that some extra perspective can maybe help you break that, because at least it does for me. And I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but I don't know. Just seeing the wider field that is arrayed before us, I think is always a good thing. And... If you do see something else that interests you, maybe a Star Wars Legion, like in my case, maybe give it a whirl. Take a look at their prices. Are they in your budget? Are they cheaper? Are they more expensive? That's some information you can use. If they're cheap enough yeah. and you got some time, why not give it a whirl? Yeah, especially like for me, whenever I find myself getting a little bit too... to put Not to put too fine of a point on it, but salty... With GW, like maybe I haven't got my codex released in so long. Maybe I've been waiting for World Eaters for months and they haven't told me anything. For years, actually. But, you know, whatever. Not sour about it. No, not at all. Uh, maybe what I need to do is, like, not engage with it. But I still want to do the hobby. I still want to do wargaming. So maybe I go look at, like, a Song of Ice and Fire miniatures. Mm -hmm. Maybe I go look at Star Wars Legion. Maybe I go look for some... Like Silver Bayonet, the miniatures agnostic game, right? And I go 3D print some miniatures agnostic miniatures to use in a game with my friends. Maybe I take a break from wargaming entirely and go play Magic for a little bit. Or put more time in D&D. Mm -hmm. Other like physical gaming hobbies that like borrow from this space sometimes. So it's kind of in that Venn diagram. Yeah, I think doing so can be... Good for your could be good for you mentally, but also even good for your hobby. Um, if nothing else, when you look at these other things and you know that they exist, I'm not saying you should jump ship, quit GW, and only play these things because I'm not doing that either. Nope. But when you do see other things, it gives you some perspective on 
maybe some stuff you might like to see in GW's products, or that maybe you don't need to see in GW's products because you've got another outlet for whatever that thing is that you want. And you said something about like painting, right? Like it, yeah. it'll, it can sometimes help with your painting. A story I have is uh, way back when, when I hopped from GW back in like 6th edition to play a little bit of Warm Horns. Mm-hmm. I popped away from like, at the time I was playing a lot of Necrons. So I was painting a lot of metallics. I was playing a lot of like metal dudes. And then I started painting these like Persian-esque like monster slash like soldier things and warm hordes. And I learned how to paint with more primary colors and not just metallics because I was pushed in a new direction mm-hmm. entirely aesthetically by switching games and popping over for a little bit and playing it. And then I also learned how to play war games better and strategy like war games better because I had to learn a new way of playing. And I got to take a lot of the things I had from that game and translate them back to this game when I switched back. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes you a more well-rounded tabletop war gamer in general. Um, and really, it I feel like this is the part of the episode where normally we give you kind of some step-by-step ideas of what to do. And how to get through whatever we're talking about for the day's episode. But in this one, I don't want to do that. Because I feel like it would be almost priming your interest, which I wouldn't want to do. What I would really recommend is if you do feel like you have blinders on. And if you're listening to this episode and you can't think of any other war games that exist. Or maybe you didn't know that there were other ones that were really cool. Or maybe you did, but you just couldn't find time to look at them. What I would maybe consider doing is to take a breath, literally and proverbially, and then gently look around. Just look at YouTube for miniature wargaming. See what's there. And as you're perusing through these other games, whether it's Conquest, Star Wars Legion, uh, Kings of War... Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, if you see one that piques your interest in any way, whether that's minis or rules or battle reports or whatever, just follow your interest. And I think if you simply do that, you're going to end up with a wider perspective that will help you when you do come back to Games Workshop. If that's, you know, because it's a thing you probably still love. But it's a thing you will look at a little differently with a little more experienced. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think it would be hard to argue that doing that is negative. Because at the end of the day, it's a hobby. It's about having fun. And this could be a way for you to have more fun overall. And if nothing else, it's definitely been good for me. Um, I'm now getting the feeling like I might be able to, like... I might be ready to come back to some GW stuff if I pick my target well. Um, uh, Imperial Knights. Yes, uh, that's good. And also, Sylvaneth have me inter- very, very interested now that the book is out. Um, I'm kind of waiting on that book to actually get here, though, so I could dig into the rules. But again, logistics, it is what it is. Still waiting. Um, but I might start gently painting up some Sylvaneth, go in with some low-pressure expectations, and have a good time. Now that I've sort of cleansed my palette, I know I have other games in the rotation. If I don't enjoy whatever I'm currently doing in the GW sphere, 
and that there will always be other things I can hobby on or paint to have a good time. And like the other benefit is if you can bring part of your community or playgroup with you to do these things, you really get to just take like a new perspective with your whole playgroup. Mm-hmm. Like if you have like maybe you and like six dudes are like the you've been playing Warhammer games together for like two years now. And you all decide to take a small break, play Star Wars Legion. Cool. Well, that's a whole different way of thinking and playing and new stuff. People can like break their norms, their norms. Maybe your horde player doesn't do that this time around. Mm-hmm. And maybe when you come back, they start new factions. They do new stuff. Like it helps break up the monotony and it, it builds a stronger community, I think, which it is something I think the wargaming community needs to do more of. It's not just on you know, these game companies to make rules and stuff. It's also on us as the players to be better players for the people we play with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes switching to a new game makes that easier to learn the skills to do. Yeah, and I mean, in the end, it could also be something cool to add into your rotation regularly over time. You know, if you guys take a break and you really like it, but you also kind of miss Warhammer... You could do both. Have a Warhammer time. Next time, play your secondary game. Next time, play Warhammer again. Or next time, play your tertiary game or your secondary, you know, whatever. Whatever works for you. But once you broaden your horizons, you just have more options for your playgroup if you are feeling the itch to, you know, look at something else that you're really into. And I think that's just good for all of us. And really, yeah. like, it can lead to you having a rotation of games in your group rather than just a single game. Because if you have a single game and you've hitched everything to that one horse, that could end poorly. If that, yeah, if you put, if that game has, you know, just a rough time, which is likely to happen at some point in any game's life cycle. And, like, if you put too many eggs in a single basket, it makes this really big, weird omelet. But if you, like, take those eggs and you split them up into lots of little smaller omelets, less likely to go bad. Uh, I love the name Weird Big Omelet as a band name. Yeah. Also, that was a horrible metaphor. It was wretched. I apologize to everyone. (laughs) Uh, That one did not hold together. Uh, It did not even fall apart by, like, the skin of your teeth. It just shattered. I hope I get made fun of for this on the internet. It's You deserve to be made fun of on the internet. I do. I do. But I will say, though, there is some... If we're talking about rotations briefly, there's some more conversation to have about it. And I think it might actually end up being a couple of episodes. But we talk about the idea of introducing other games to a group uh, in depth. But I think in general, this is a great place to start. And I hope you do it. Uh, and for people out there listening... I really want to know, do you feel that you have some blinders on in your hobby? And if so, what thing are you maybe excited to look around at at the wider hobby sphere if you do decide that you want to take that endeavor? I I would love to hear about it to see if maybe my experience is just totally out of left field. Um, or maybe, and, and if you're a games workshop employee and, uh, you're really trying to prevent us from convincing other people to play other games, uh, maybe you should go also play some other games to get some ideas. You know, they already play other games. They just can't I know. Say I just it. like starting shit. Yeah. 
They just can't tell their <laughs> boss they play other games. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from y'all out there. And if you're maybe part of a group that is newer players who only know about Games Workshop and you want to maybe broaden your group's horizons, be a champion. Send this to them. It might help start the conversation, if nothing else. And if you want to leave a like or review on it on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to it, we'd really appreciate it. And we'll be working on those other episodes on rotation, probably coming up not too long. Um, but until then, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide, Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Cover it in gravy. <laughs>